0: Well, there are times, aren't there, when it would just be so incredibly nice to be able to uh, to just directly ask the Lord a question and then to get an immediate, tangible, concrete, indisputable answer. Wouldn't it be great if every time you spent some time in prayer, later that day you got a follow-up email Uh, You know, with a complete detailed transcript of the conversation and a list that delineates clearly, you you know, an action item list from the Lord of the things that it was that that he wants you to do and and a list of things that that he wants you to know or to understand about him. Wouldn't it be great to, to never again find yourself in that place where you're wondering... Well, what in the world am I supposed to do now? You know, how am I supposed to respond to this situation or to, to that circumstance? At times, I look at passages like 1 Samuel 3, which is our scripture for this morning. And honestly, I have to say, I, I, I'm a little bit jealous of what seems to me to be such a, a clear, direct, and timely response uh, that that some people in Scripture get from the Lord. Because, you know, that's just not how it usually goes for me. I don't generally hear the Lord speaking to me in an audible voice. And when I do, it sounds a lot like my wife's voice. <laughs> Quite often, uh, well, what I want more than anything else is just to know what does the Lord want me to do? Uh, which way does he want me to go? What direction should I take? Oh, What action am I to, uh, to take? What, what choice am I to make? Well, I think there's a, a lot in our passage in 1 Samuel 3 that speaks to that as we look at it this morning. Uh, we're going to look at a passage where the Lord speaks audibly to young Samuel. And and then he speaks clearly and decisively through Samuel to old Eli. And I trust and I hope and I expect that this morning as well, he's going to speak to us through his word. So grab your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel chapter three. 1 Samuel chapter three, and will you stand with me? I'll read the passage. I invite you as always to follow along. You get so much more out of it when when you're following along through the study. Here's what it says, beginning in verse 1. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I didn't call my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I am going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out either by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you, Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. Let's pray. God, we're here we're your servants, we're listening. We ask you to speak to us this morning. God, we pray that you would give us ears willing to hear, hearts willing to receive, minds willing to embrace, a will determined to submit to you. God, use this morning to speak to us, to change us, to shape us, and to accomplish what you desire. Speak to us from your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As always, we need to remember the context. Old Eli is the high priest, and he is old. He's very old. And in his old age, he has also become passive, especially in regard to the sin of his evil sons. Eli is no longer honoring the Lord. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are just outright evil. Uh, God has already warned them that judgment for their sin is coming. Eli's descendants will lose the hereditary privilege of being, being God's priests, and Hophni and Phinehas themselves will die. And then there's Samuel, little Samuel, is yet a child. He is an outsider whose mother dedicated him to God's service and because of that, brought him there to live at Shiloh with Eli and his sons. We don't know from the text just how old Samuel is here in chapter 3. Though Jewish tradition tells us he was about 12, yet it gives us... Absolutely no evidence for that conclusion. But the passage clearly portrays him not as a young man, but as a boy. We read right there in verse 1, the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. And we read that in those days the word of the Lord was rare and the prophetic vision was not (laughs) widespread. So there is young Samuel serving faithfully Uh, God, under the supervision of Eli, uh, but things were not good at Shiloh. The Lord was not making himself known to his people there. And, And that was the whole point. I mean, that was the whole point of the tabernacle. It was there that God's people were supposed to be able to come and to be in the presence of God. It was there that they would come to to seek the Lord, to offer sacrifices and to worship him. But Hophni and Phinehas, they had had so defiled the, uh, the worship and the sacrifices and Eli, Though he knew what they were doing, he didn't stop them. And as a result, very little good was taking place there at Shiloh. God wasn't meeting with his people there. He wasn't communicating with them through his priests. I mean, think about it. The very ones who should have been sensitive to the Lord and ready to hear from him, uh, the ones who should have been able to pass along a word from the Lord, who should have been a ready messenger for prophetic visions, they just weren't. Instead, they were focused on and giving themselves to the pursuit of their own pleasure. Their lives were compromised by unrepentant sin. Do you want to be used by the Lord? Do you want to draw close to him? If so, understand this. You cannot walk in unrepentant sin. 1 John talks about this there and. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, John writes this, God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. And, and now, John is not talking about the physics of God. He's speaking morally here. He's saying that, that God is pure and holy, absolutely righteous. And then he says this, if we say that we have fellowship with God. If I say, man, it's all good between the Lord and I, and yet I am walking in darkness, John speaks some bold truth here. And he says, I'm sorry, but you're lying. If you say that it's all good between you and the Lord, but you're walking in darkness, it's a lie. And you are not practicing the truth. So what? Should we just give up? Should we just uh, just close the book and walk away? No. John gives us a very different solution to this ailment. You just have to travel a few verses further through that first chapter. When we come in verse 9 to this, John says this, if we confess our sin... If we are walking in darkness, if there are issues in our life, if there are things in our life that don't belong there, and then what, what John says the solution is, if we will confess our sin, then God, who is faithful and righteous, will forgive us and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a path out. Verse 2, we read this. One day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. And it says, before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple. That would be in the tabernacle of the Lord, Uh, that tent Uh, That housed all of the uh, the holy items of worship, the the altar of incense and the table of the showbread, and that marvelous lamp, that menorah, that oil lamp that that was made to burn all night and only extinguished in the morning. He was there sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the Ark of God was located. So on one hand, we have Eli who is failing physically, his eyesight giving way. But really, the bigger issue is that he is failing spiritually. And on the other hand, we have young Samuel. Young Samuel, who at least physically seems to be seeking to draw close to the Lord. I mean, here he is. Choosing to make his bed there within the very tabernacle of God. He's sleeping with nothing but a curtain between himself and the ark of God where the presence of God would be manifested. Now that may seem like a small thing to you. It may it may seem maybe a bit ritualistic or religious to think that by being in a specific place he could become closer to God. And yet I think that the Lord takes every little effort of ours to draw near to him and he fans them into a flame. Listen to what James <coughs> says about this. In James 4:8, he says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Hey, get near the Lord. And the Lord himself will get near you. I think some of us, we kind of operate under this assumption that God's trying to ditch us. It's like he sees you coming. He's like, ooh, I'm going to duck in here for a while. Yeah, i avoid this one. But that is not God's attitude towards us at all. Rather, when we make the slightest effort to draw close to him, He draws near to us. And so, friends, I encourage you every way that you can, every little thing that you find to do that will allow you to draw near to the Lord, draw near to Him. And He will respond. And He will draw close to you. Well, we read here that one day in the pre-dawn hours while the lamp of God, that's that oil lamp menorah that was there within the tabernacle while it was still burning, so it was nighttime, um, that the Lord called out to young Samuel as he slept there in the tent. Verse 4, it says, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Uh, But Samuel doesn't recognize the Lord's voice here. He hears his name called. He assumes it's Eli. So it says he ran to Eli and he says, here I am. You called me. And if you've had young children, you've experienced this, haven't you? In the middle of the night, you wake up with a little face pressed up close to yours. And and, and Eli's like, I I did not call you. (laughs) I am sleeping which is what you should be doing. Go back and lie down. And so Samuel does. He goes back and he lies down. But if you've had young children, you know it once won't end this game. <laughs> and so it happens again and the Lord calls out Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And I can almost hear the weariness in Eli's voice. I didn't call you, my son, Go back and lie down. And now we get this explanation. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Why? Why did he not yet know the Lord? Because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. It's no surprise that under Eli's leadership, that the word of the Lord, the the book of Moses, that the law of God, It didn't take a high place. It wasn't a prominent thing. So Samuel had not had the law taught to him. He didn't know who, who God was. He did not recognize his voice. And so when he hears his name being called, he just runs to Eli, the only one that he could think would possibly be calling his name. Stop and consider the contrast we see here. On one hand, we've got Eli who who absolutely knew the Lord but was not listening. He he was not listening. It was as if he had his fingers stuffed in his ears. His sin had deafened him. And on the other hand, we've got little Samuel. Little Samuel who does not know the first thing about the Lord and, and yet... He is eager and he is listening. And because he is listening, he hears. All Samuel lacked was an exposure to the word of the Lord. By the way, that's often what we lack as well. If you want to know the Lord better than you do now, get into the word. Get into the word. Read it. And read it, not just to check it off your list for the day, uh, but read it in order to understand it. Study it so that you understand it correctly. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Let it soak into your thinking. And understand, this is not something that is to be merely theoretical. Hey, guys, we're not to become walking libraries of biblical trivia or theological excellence, okay? You know, we're, we're not just to store up information to impress others, but rather we are to understand these things so that we can be changed by them, so that we can begin to uh, to live our lives according to them. We need to take these things that we uh, that we reading God's word and we're to put them into practice. We are to let them govern us. We are to let them move us to action. We are to let them shape our character and our being. We're to allow them to empower us to be the people that God desires us to be. Notice here as well, how patient the Lord is with young Samuel. Verse 8, once again, for the third time. How many times have told, how many of you have told your kids, now, for the third time? And that's always like a threat, isn't it? It's not really a warning, it's a threat. And yet, here, the, the Lord, for the third time, and yet I see no. And no weariness in the Lord's voice. And and the way the Lord is responding to him, the Lord called Samuel. And again, Samuel gets it wrong. And he gets up and he goes to Eli. And he says, here I am. You called me. And I think Eli is finally beginning to wake up. Uh, You know, the cobwebs are beginning to dissipate from his head. And he suddenly begins to understand, oh, I know what's going on. Eli understood, it says, that the Lord was calling the boy. So he told Samuel, go back and lie down. And if he calls you, answer him and say this. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now step back from this for a moment. And I want you to consider... What a sobering moment this must have been for Eli. Eli, after all, was the high priest. It should have been Eli's name that the Lord was calling in the night. It should have been Eli that was receiving a message from the Lord to share with his people. But it wasn't. It wasn't, because for too long, Eli had rejected the Lord. Eli had stopped his ears. He chose his sin and his sons over his relationship with the Lord. And now we have reached the moment where God has moved on. God has moved on from Eli. For him, it's over. And and yet, in in the midst of what I would think would be a crushing realization, Eli still gives Samuel uh, what I think is some pretty solid advice about hearing from God. Eli tells Samuel, listen, go lie down again. In other words, Make yourself available for God to speak to you. Samuel doesn't tell him, well, listen, I guess neither of us are getting any sleep tonight, so we might as well get up and start the work. We might as well get busy about the things uh, of the tabernacle. No, no, no. No, Samuel, go lay down. Give God some space to speak into your life. You know what I think the Lord would say today is take those stinking earbuds out Turn off the TV. Turn off the music. Put down the podcast, even the good Bible teaching, and give God a moment to speak to your mind and to your heart. Give him that that moment of silence. Give him opportunity to speak to you. Did you notice as well that Eli said here, if God calls you again if if the Lord calls you again because I think one of the things that Eli realizes at this point is he's not in charge God is Eli's basically saying Samuel don't assume that God's going to do what you think or even what you want remember you are here to serve him he is not here to serve you it isn't like God I told you to be here at this time to show up and to answer my, my things. It's like, no, Lord, I'm here to wait on you. I'm here to hear from you if you will choose to speak to me. And Eli tells Samuel that if the Lord does call on him to answer, saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. For your servant is listening. In other words, a get ready to receive your marching orders. Understand this, Samuel. If the Lord speaks to you, you are going to need to respond to it. (laughs) What's crazy here is that this would have been such a different story if Eli was only willing to do exactly what he told Samuel he should do. If Eli had made himself available to hear from the Lord, if Eli had listened and then take into heart the things that the Lord would say. This is always the dynamic for us as God's people. In in Isaiah's day, so much later, in Isaiah 50 verse 10, uh, Isaiah says this: "Who among you fears the Lord and listens to his servant?" Isaiah saying this. Listen, think about this. Uh, do you fear God? Do you respect him? Are, are, are you fearing God? And are you listening to the message that he would say? Are you listening to what he would say? He says, who among you walks in darkness and has no light? Are you wondering what you're supposed to do? Are you wondering which way you're supposed to go? Are, are, are you groping through life like so many of us are? He says, let him trust in the name of the Lord. Here's the answer. Put your trust in the Lord. When the Lord speaks, trust him and let him lean on his God. Respect God enough to listen to what he says and then do it. Trust him. Lean on him. Submit yourself to him. Obey him. That's what Samuel does. He does exactly what Eli instructed him to do. At verse 10 and onward, we read the Lord came, and I love this. I love this. Don't miss this. He stood there. He stood there. Think about that for a minute. The God who created the universe, and uh, the maker of all that exists, came and stood at the feet of a sleeping little boy because he wanted to talk to him. What well, patience? What well, condescension? how willingly God stooped down for little Samuel. And, you know, he does that for us too. He does that for us too. The Lord came and he stood there and he called as before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded as he had been told, speak for your servant is listening. And then the Lord answered. The Lord told him. Says, I'm about to do something in Israel that will cause everyone who hears about it to shudder. Literally, it will cause their ears to tingle or to ring. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I was going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family. The iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. And so when the Lord calls, Samuel answers and he listens, but oh, what he heard. What a hard message, especially for a young man the message is about God's righteous judgment that is coming against Eli and his sons, a judgment that they had been warned about. If you remember back in chapter 2, remember the, the unnamed man of God who came and announced God's judgment that would come eventually, and now here Samuel is being told the time has come. God is going to do that which he said he would do had to have been hard for Samuel to hear a message like this, a message that was so final, so irrevocable, uh, ultimately devastating. And maybe you didn't catch the worst of what God said there. Look back at verse 14 and let this sink in. The iniquity or the sin of Eli's family will never be wiped out. The Lord's saying it's over. It's over. Final judgment has come. There is no longer the possibility of redemption for Eli or for his sons. They have played with sin too long. There is no forgiveness. There is no hope of escaping eternal damnation for them. They have been finally and without revocation condemned by God himself. They have played a game with religion while they clung to their sin and now the bill has come due for their foolishness. I think there's a warning there for us, isn't there? Don't go there. Don't play the religious game. Understand that what the Lord desires from us is not religious activity, but a repentant heart, a heart that is willing and ready to turn away from our sin, a heart that is ready and willing to put our faith in Christ. Why? So that we might be forgiven and cleansed. Understand this. This is the offer that is being made to us. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if any of us will surrender ourselves to Christ, that we will be a new creation. Understand that a new creation, this isn't just about trying harder. It isn't about doing better. This is about being given something that is brand new. He says that the old has then passed away and the new has come. And that is a promise. That is an offer that is made to any and to all of us. That if we will put our faith in Christ, not in our ability to do better, not in our ability to turn things around, but if we will put our hope and our faith, if we will submit ourselves to Christ, then we will become a new creation and a new life will be poured into us. The Holy Spirit of God will indwell us. will begin to shape and change us. And the one who said, "If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed will free us from that old man. If you haven't embraced that, then let me quote Jesus in Mark 1:15, it's, <laughs> "It's time. It's time. It's to, time to turn away from sin and to believe the good news of." his offer of forgiveness and freedom, cleansing, and of a new life. Well, hearing this this message of condemnation had to be hard for Samuel. I can't imagine how much harder it was that he had to declare that message. Look at verse 15. Samuel lay back down until morning. I bet he didn't sleep a bit. I bet he lay there with his eyes wide open, just dreading the dawn. Eventually, he got up, began to open the doors of the Lord's house, going about his duties. And then it just honestly tells us he was afraid to tell you out of the vision. That's understandable, isn't it? Haven't you often feared doing what God has called you to do? He was afraid to tell Eli the vision but Eli called him and said Samuel my son here I am answered Samuel what was the message he gave you don't hide it from me may God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you and so Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him that's faithfulness right there That's faithfulness. You know, in life, we all feel the need for faithful friends. But but you need to understand this. The kind of faithful friend you need is not the kind of friend who will stick with you, ignoring your sin and just winking at it. No, 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 no. You need the kind of faithful friend who will stick with you and will lovingly and bluntly tell you the truth from God's word. You don't need more people to tell you what their opinions are or what the world says. What we need are people who are willing to speak the truth of God's word to us. We all need people in our lives who will tell us the unpleasant undesired and even painful truths that we need to face. We need people in our lives who know the word and who are willing to speak it to us. When you find someone like that, hold on to them. Cling to them. Invite them in. Give them permission to speak into your life because friends like that, they're gold. And when you have someone like that in your life, listen to what they say. Take it to heart. Take it to heart and take it before the Lord. Take it before the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to you and submit yourself to him. Submit yourself to the Lord and to his word. Because we need to not only hear the truth, we've got to respond rightly to it. And speaking of which, look partway through verse 18 at Eli's response. Eli has just heard the truth of God's word spoken to him, and here is his response He is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Now, I I don't know. Maybe that is a genuinely humble acceptance of God's verdict upon him. But I don't think it is because if it were, I think that we would, we'd see some repentance along with it. And the one thing we don't see any sign of in the story of Eli's repentance, I think more likely that Eli's response is a cynical, faithless, fatalistic giving up. Because as the story goes on, it sure looks a lot to me as if Eli has just plain given up. I think Eli is saying, "Well, he is the Lord; he'll do what he wants." You know, I don't know what I can do about it. Let me say this to you. When you are confronted with hard truth, don't give up. Don't give up. It's not too late. The, the enemy hits us with that, doesn't he? Oh, when you're, when you're confronted with hard truth, isn't one of the first things that you want to respond to is, oh, well, it's too late for me. I, I don't know. Too late now, I might as well give up. It's like you get caught eating those first few bites of ice cream. You think know, well, I might as well finish the court now. I mean, I already blew it. <laughs> I think there's two more courts in there somewhere, too. I'll find those, and then then and there won't be any more temptation. I might as well just give up. It's too late for me. Understand, those are lies from the pit of hell. God's grace is enough. God's grace for you is enough. Uh, Romans 5.20 puts it this way. It says where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. Uh, What Paul is saying here is that grace is greater than your sin. The cross, the sacrifice of the Savior is far greater than all your sin. You don't have to give up. It's not too late. Turn to him. Submit yourself to him. Let him shape you and free you and use you. Well, finally, in verse 19, we read that Samuel grew, that the Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied and now i don't think that this means that you know samuel was just saying all these random things and the lord was running around fulfilling whatever samuel happened to say no i think what it, what is meant here is that samuel only said those things that god told him to say and therefore everything that he said were things that god had already determined to do and so everything that he prophesied was fulfilled so much so that from Dan in the far north of Israel till Be- to all the way down to Beersheba in the far south, everyone knew that Samuel was a confirmed, a proven, a reliable prophet of the Lord. And notice this, because things changed there in Shiloh, the Lord continued to appear in Shiloh this place that had been barren of the presence of God, the interaction with God, uh, the words coming from the Lord, uh, this place where God had gone silent was now alive again. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh. Why? Because there he revealed himself to Samuel, to this young boy, by his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. I want you to notice something here. There is a, a contrast throughout this whole passage between old Eli and young Samuel. But the contrast isn't focused on their age. It wasn't that Samuel was better and stronger and more gifted. Uh, Very clearly, throughout the whole of this passage, he is depicted, I, I think very purposefully, as a child. A picture of weakness. Whereas Eli, who is the high priest, is one with all the strength. You see, it isn't about one man being better or worse than the other, one being stronger or weaker than the other, one having more gifts and the other being less capable. I think that the difference is that one man was stubbornly refusing to bend his will to the Lord while the other, like a child, was running into his father's arms, willing to submit himself completely to the Lord. Uh, the picture here is of cranky old Eli choosing his own path his own way i know best don't tell me what to do even in his passivity was refusing god and was uh, was choosing not to deal with his own sin or the sin of his sons well samuel like a child was simply hearing and obeying the father We see here in this passage that it is through the Word that Samuel was able to come to know the Lord who was speaking to him. Same is true for us today, isn't it? It's through his Word that the Lord speaks to us. It's in his Word that we can seek him and we can come to know him and understand him and hear from him if we will merely listen to what it says and obey it. We see as well that the Lord was not resistant to either of these men coming to him, that he was standing with open arms and that at the slightest Effort on behalf of little Samuel, the Lord draws him close. And the same is true for us today. That if we will draw near to the Lord, he's not trying to ditch you. He's not trying to avoid you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. My encouragement to you today is that you would lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and that you would run with endurance the race set before you, that you would draw near to the Father who longs to draw near to you, <coughs> that you would know him, that you would know his voice, and that you would be used by him Proclaim his message into a world That is lost in darkness Let's pray Father I, I, I pray That Just in our time here today That That we will have heard your voice Lord That you will have spoken To us Pray that that we would hear what you've said and that we would respond to you. We would trust you. That we would become those who just seek to draw close, seek to know you better. That you might speak to us. We might have a message to speak to this world. God, may we bring the message of your good news to this hurting world. Work in us, Lord. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.